This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. Today on Entrepreneurs Get Visible, I'm joined by Liam James Collins, who I came across as a result is one of those names that just kept popping up for me in the way that when we're on social media, all of a sudden someone seems to enter your world. And Liam stopped me in my tracks whilst I was doing my weekly shop on a Sunday in Aldi. And it was his story that he dropped into a training about NLP, which is obviously a subject that I'm really passionate about. And it just, it literally stopped me in my tracks as I'm pushing my shopping trolley around. And I reached out to Liam later that day to just say, you know, there's real power in your story and what you're doing. So, hey, Liam, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I love, I love the chit chat conversational vibe of your show. And I'm, I'm so happy about that because I think if we can just chill out have a chit chat and provide value at the same time, that's always going to be a good episode. Do you know, I think, Liam, I think actually there's some real value in the fact that we can't all get together in person at the moment because it makes us as entrepreneurs, as fast people, fast te- action taking people, the fact that we get to slow down and eyeball to eyeball each other while we're not doing a million other things actually makes for really good conversations. And I actually really treasure that about podcasting. Definitely. And I know that recently... So I reached out to Liam a while ago as he stopped me in my tracks in Aldi and said, I'd I'd love to talk to you further about this at some point. And then I saw that you had just released your your new co-hosted podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. So my podcast is with my business partner, Lewis Raymond Taylor, and it's called The Prisoner and The Postman. And the reason it's called The Prisoner and The Postman is because once upon a time, he was a prisoner and I was a postman. (laughs) And it's as simple as that. And our our community has seemed to sort of really latch onto those characters. And I think it's because we've been on such a journey of transformation, you know, from Lewis turning his life around once upon a time being in a prison cell and discovering coaching. And that's what turned his life around. To me, being a full-time postman, feeling directionless, feeling very down, not knowing where I'm supposed to go in life to discovering coaching and that being my way forward. We just decided to keep those attributes of our path. I love it. So today we have the postman with us today. So Liam, tell tell us a little bit before we go on and kind of get into the nitty gritty of what we're talking about today, which is going to be a lot about coaching and what it takes to build a successful coaching business. That's going to be the primary topic. But you know, in my episodes, I do like to have a good old chit chat. Tell us a little bit about what it is you do now and why that happened. So what I do now is I run an organization called The Coaching Masters. And to really sum it up, one of our biggest missions is to make coaching as fashionable as having a personal trainer. That is a personal mission of mine. Having a personal trainer is brilliant. It's fashionable. It's a badge of honor. No one has any problem talking about the fact they have a personal trainer. And that's great. But of course, it's only for your body. I want to create that movement where people are just as proud to say, I've also got a coach and that's a badge of honor. So what we do is we train people and accredit people as coaches, and then we teach them how to grow that coaching business. And primarily at first, we do that through the coaching masters membership. We're trying to make that membership like the Netflix of coaching, where it's so packed with value at such a low price that so many people are in the membership, learning how to become a coach, learning how to grow a coaching business that it creates this wave of goodness 
this wave of value where people can go and genuinely help people develop their mindset, increase their confidence, break down their limiting beliefs. We just want to turn it into a mainstream thing that everybody has a part of. I know the value of coaching and I'm a coach, but I never actually intended to be a coach, but the transformative work and mindset work just utterly changed my life and turned everything on its head. And that's the reason I now do what I do. That's the reason why I get up in the morning, because I know that the impact it can make when other people understand that they can change how they think and feel. What was it for you then, Liam, that brought you to this point of knowing that the mindset stuff matters? You you know know what's really interesting? And it's almost like it had been staring me in the face my whole life and I'd purposefully ignored it. My mum, for as long as I can remember, has run an academy where she trains people how to be coaches. No. For years, <laughs> I'd almost completely ignored it because I just thought, oh, well, that's what my mum does. And, and no young man grows up wanting to do what his mum does, right? It's just, it's just not at the forefront of your mind. You don't oh. think, oh, brilliant, I'll, I'll follow my mum's footsteps. Oh, poor mummies. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Massive amount of respect for all the mums out there, of course. But I was just this young man and I just, I just didn't really ever think about doing what my mum does. But because she wanted somebody to sort of go on that journey with her, she actually took me to see Tony Robbins when I was 17. Mm. And at the time I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just go to this thing that my mum wants me to go to. But it had a massive effect on me. And I didn't really understand what effect it had on me till years later. And I always had an interest in mindset development and increasing my confidence and helping other people do the same. But again, in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, but that's what mum does. Ah, yeah, but I don't want to do that. That's what mum does. And eventually I went on this journey of becoming an actor, which I want to talk to you about, Anna, because I know, of course, as well, you're an actor. And uh, my acting career was going really well. I was doing good TV. I was doing really good films, did a load of theatre. And one day it just completely stopped. The agent, my agent stopped ringing. The phone stopped ringing. I stopped going to auditions. If I did get an audition, I wasn't getting the part and it just deteriorated. And I got to a point where... I was like, you know what? I need a job uh, that still lets me get to auditions and where Mm -hmm. I can pay my rent. And I became a postman because I thought, well, if I finish at 12 o'clock. I didn't know that about you. That's brilliant. (laughs) That's the whole reason I became a postman, just so I could get to auditions. And all of a sudden, a month goes by, two months, six months, one year, two years. And I'm like, oh man, massive respect to the postman out there. But it was never my journey. And I thought, oh no, I'm... I had no idea we were going to talk about this today. It's so exciting. I did so many jobs, so many jobs. I, I worked in insurance in the city. I was, um, <laughs> I was an underwriter, which is like the most random thing. I was a receptionist. I taught massage. I, I mean, you name it, I've probably done it in between acting jobs. But I think actually it brings so many skills to the table. Doesn't it? So, Just, and that is that is that life of an actor, isn't it? That's the life of that jobbing actor. You know, you're going to auditions, you're getting parts, but at the same time, you've got to pay the rent, you've got to try to, you know, you've got mm. food to buy. So it's just, it's, I bet me and you could talk about some hilarious jobs that we've had. Like you saying you worked in insurance in the city. I worked in the city for a while. I tried to be like a junior stockbroker. Oh my goodness. We probably hung out in the same bars because it was all about the booze in the city. (laughs) It was all about the booze in the city. I got to a point where I was having a a conversation around a dinner table with my mum. And I said, mum, you know what? I've, I've reached that point where all I want is to work for myself and I want to really genuinely help people make a difference. And she was like, Liam, it, is, it has been staring you in the face for the last 10 years. Become a coach. I can teach 
coach you. I can, you can do my qualifications. You could do my training courses. You could become an NLP practitioner. She taught everything at that stage. And she'd already had like 15 years of experience. She's like, come on, Liam, please say yes. She's like, you, it is staring <laughs> you in the face. You'll be a really good coach. And so I kind of broke that stigma uh-huh. that was in my own head of thinking, yeah, but that's what my mum does. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to embrace it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to run with it. And that was back in 2017. And I've just wow. not back since. I, I ran with it and I've just loved the coaching space. Wow. I can't believe that. Okay. So that's only three years ago. That's really interesting. Amazing. Well, well done. Hats off. You've worked, you've worked your socks off. And are you still delivering the post? <laughs> I've gone from <laughs> delivering post to delivering value. <laughs> Although there's a lot of work in COVID-19 times for the postman, let's face it. Um, Amazing. I had no idea we were going down that route today. That's a lot of fun. So so what difference did NLP make to your life then? NLP, and again, for those people in the NLP space, this might sound a little bit cliche, but it did hand me the user manual to how my mind works. And I know that when a lot of people study their NLP, that's what they feel like. They feel like they finally got the instructions. They finally got the user manual. And for me, it was this massive breakthrough because I'd always had some form of involvement with it. Tony Robbins at 17. I, I actually got my NLP practitioner qualification when I was 16, just because my mum wanted bums on seats, right? And I was like, oh, I'll do my mum a favour. Honestly, Liam, this could be my story. The amount of qualifications I got at 16 and 17, because I was helping my mum out in her business. But actually, I think secretly, she wanted me just to have lots of qualifications because I kept saying I wanted to be an actor. And she wanted to make sure that I didn't, well, when I did not have the career I wanted. I actually had something amazing. But I also wonder, as a parent myself, I wonder how much impact the fact that you grew up with a mum who's a coach, who has a deep understanding of mindset work, wonder what impact that actually had on you. Massive. I don't doubt that whatsoever. I, I used the joke, right? And really, to be fair, this isn't even a joke. I used to say other kids was getting bedtime stories. I was getting Tony Robbins and Paul McKenna. And it's actually true. Like my mum was so, when my mum discovered it, she was so into it that she just really wanted someone to talk, talk with. And obviously she would talk to my dad about it. She talked to my brother, my sister. But I think there was just an element where I would naturally listen a lot more because I knew deep down what she was saying was absolutely spot on. I was thinking, yep, that makes perfect sense. How to develop confidence. Uh, yep, I recognize that. How to, how to set goals and stick to your plans and create well-formed outcomes. And I was actually very ambitious when I was younger. It just took a lot of trial and error to find something that actually worked for me. I always wanted to be successful, but it took so much trial and error before I actually found the thing that I was destined for. I love that you talk about that with your work now, because that's very much how I feel. And I feel for me, as I've talked about many times, probably boring all the listeners to tears with the fact that NLP was the thing that started to unlock that for me. And before, particularly in terms of acting and performing, it was very much about me, 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 ego, tell me I'm good enough. Whereas now I feel like the tables have really turned on that. And I feel like I can open and and put myself out there in a completely different way, because it's not about me. It's about other people having change. Does that make sense to you? A hundred percent, of course. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because in the, in that acting space, that's very much the headspace, you know, especially for a really, really long time. Because I, when I first became an actor, I felt like such an imposter. 
for years. When I would tell people I'm an actor, mm-hmm. I felt like I was pretending and I, I had to immediately follow it up with what I was doing at the time. Like, oh, I'm an actor and I'm, 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 I'm in this play or I'm an actor and I've, I'm, I'm doing this uh, TV series. And for years, like even when I got to the point where I was, I was doing TV relatively regularly, I was getting some quite good parts. I still felt like I needed to justify it mm-hmm. to everybody I spoke to. And I, and, and, but then as soon as you kind of unlock that door and realize it is for other people, it's not for me, it's to provide value to the world, to tell stories. Uh, I just felt, con- before I had that realization, I felt contained. Like I was just... Would you ever go back to it? I would absolutely love to okay. go back to it. I, I would love to. And I think in many respects, I'm probably in a better position now than I ever have been. And I'll tell you why, because I got to a point where I felt like a like a beggar when I was going into mm-hmm. auditions. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was begging for them. I got to a point where I was like, if I didn't act, I didn't eat just before I became a postman. And it was one of the worst positions I found myself in because I was so desperate. And I think that just... People talk about the sickly People, smell of desperation. Absolutely. And I've talked, I've talked about this myself. My scenario wasn't quite like that, but I would go in expecting that yet again, I'm not going to get the part. And actually... You, that comes through not necessarily the smell I wouldn't say it was the waft as I came into the room but it was it, something in your body language is the way, body language the way you hold yourself the way you do or don't make eye contact there's something about that communication and actually for me NLP massively unlocked that that part about how I'm communicating myself to the outside world by how I'm thinking and feeling about myself huge isn't it I mean it's, it's funny you mention that as well because when uh when I was in drama school and we did so much around movement, of course. Where did you go? So I went to the London College of Music and I'm okay. not in any way musical. Musical, great. <laughs> I love that. They, they, they do a three-year straight acting and everyone was like, oh, so you can sing, right? Oh, so you can play an instrument. Because no. uh, you went to London College of Music. I was like, no, 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 please don't go there. But uh, yeah, so so I used to read different like practitioners' books like Stanislavski yeah. and Meisner. And I would always send my mum pictures of pages. And I was like, mum, this is NLP. I know. Talking about how the difference in your character's movement will change your internal dialogue and then change your internal images. I'm like, this is NLP. I was just thinking about this the other day. There was all, you know, uh, Stanislavski's as if, you act as if. Well, that's just modelling. That's modelling excellence, which is exactly what I tell people to do now. You just... You don't, it's not you're pretending, you are just acting as though it's true and the results come. It's, yeah, really interesting. Big, big crossover with acting and NLP. It's, it doesn't surprise me, Anna, that you are an actor and that that's your background that you've had. And this is the world that you've discovered because obviously I've been on that journey as well. And that crossover is unbelievable, really. Like, some, mm. as I say, some of the pages that you read from Stanislavski and the other practitioners is almost word for word. NLP techniques. Yeah. So, and, so for those of you listening who don't know who Stanislavski and blah, blah, blah are, they are the kind of gurus in theatre practitioner world. So we're talking actually at the turn of the century where they were for the first time taking actors away from really gesturing in terms of pantomime style theatre into a much more realistic, that's not quite the terminology they use, but into a much more realistic performance, how you can be more of a real person on stage initially. And obviously that's then transferred onto TV. Oh my goodness, the things that are coming out today. See, I've not, I've not <laughs> been it. on professional stage. The last professional job I did was probably about seven or eight years ago, but 
a, a loss of that theatre craft. I, it just feels like so long ago, like pre-children for me. And obviously I've worked a lot in voice in recent years, but I love it. And let's, let's get back to the coaching stuff. I had no idea where this conversation was going. <laughs> I love it. So talking about the coaching then. So your mum has taken you on this journey, mm. but three years, what's happened in those three years for you to decide I absolutely have to accelerate? What has happened for you? When I first started out, it was almost like there was this nice little spike right at the beginning. And I was like, oh, brilliant. I've got like a couple of clients, but you know what? I was almost, I knew I was a good coach, but I was like totally improvising how to build this coaching business. I didn't have a clue. And I was doing the sort of typical things like create a life coach directory profile and get accredited by a different governing body. And hopefully you kind of get discovered. I was going to 6am networking meetings with people that didn't have any interest in coaching. I was you know, I'm nodding got... so hard here because I came into I came into coaching through NLP, knowing I actually knew that I massively wanted to make a difference to people. But how do you do it? How do you actually go from qualifying in something as a I'm using inverted comments life coach, although my my qualification was in NLP? How do you do that, knowing you've had this life transforming information? How do you then build that as a business? I had no idea. And that's actually, for me, one of the major driving forces for why I do everything now. It's why this show is called Entrepreneurs Get Visible, because how are you going to get people to know about you? How? A hundred percent. I can relate to that completely, Anna. And it's a huge, huge driver with what we do at the Coaching Masters, because we understand that for the most part, people, coaches, they just don't know that the answers to those questions. How do you get seen? How do you build an authority? How do you have a steady stream of paying clients? You've got all the best intentions in the world. You might have the greatest training ever. You know you've got these superpowers that will change people's lives in the same way they changed yours. And you're like, completely stumped. Where do I go with it? And I was in that position. I was getting one or two clients, almost like completely fluking the fact I was getting clients. And then I wouldn't get any more for a while. And then I'd get a couple. It was like, it was like auditions again. Like auditioning. Yes. And then there's, that's, it's quite painful when you know this feels so right. This feels like absolutely what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm not able to do it because I don't have anyone coming through the door. Nobody even knows where the door is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's like, right. So I was surviving and then I got like quite a good reputation amongst the, the, well, a good reputation amongst the clients I had, but I was in a very small pool. And then I was sort of living off recommendations, which could only go so far. And I was completely stuck. Like I was completely stuck. And I got to a point where I discovered the power of the niche. That's, that's what changed it for me. It's like when I first started for, for the first year, I was a nicheless coach. I didn't have any kind of niche whatsoever. I just wanted to help everybody with everything. And what I had come to discover is everybody don't, don't exist in one place. <laughs> they don't have one message or they're not receptive to one problem. So I just thought, you know what? This isn't working, what I'm doing. I'm barely surviving. I'm just keeping my head above the, you know, above the water. And I just thought, you know what? I have a real interest in how peak performers perform at peak level. It's just something I could read about all day long. And I thought, what about if I tried merging the two? And I hadn't even thought about a niche at this point. I was like, I really like coaching. I really feel like it can make, uh, allow people to perform at a high level. And I'm really interested in how people actually do that. So I merged the two, started reading up more and more and more about peak performance, started studying more into it, started adapting my coaching to it. And I just said one day, okay, I only coach people to achieve peak performance. And even that, 
it wasn't quite enough. It was like, okay, people who are people. And then I was like, you know what? I coach entrepreneurs to reach peak performance. And then all of a sudden it was more niche and it was more specific. And then I start having entrepreneurs knock on my door, very little. But one of the biggest breakthroughs was I got a phone call one day and it wasn't a number I recognized. And I answered it and they, and they said, hi, is this Liam Collins? I said, yeah, and he is. And they said, it's MTV. And I was like, okay, hello, MTV. What, what do you want? And they said, well, we've got this show called The Charlotte Show, which is with this woman called Charlotte Crosby, who was on Geordie Shore. And she was like, she's got her own show and she's just gone through this really bad break and she wants to start her own business and she wants to start performing at peak level. She sort of wants to start changing her life around. And we've sort of stumbled across your website. We'd like you to come and coach her on this TV show. So I was like, absolutely, I'll do that. It's like Bang, an active dream as well. Never <laughs> yeah. mind a coach. <laughs> Precisely. I was like, yeah. absolutely brilliant. So I went and I filmed like three episodes of this TV show. I, I coached Charlotte. She was really receptive. She was very coachable. She was just like boom, boom, doing really well. And they didn't use any of the content. Brilliant. I watched the show episode after episode. And I was like, oh, no, I was, I was like, please. I got about five episodes in. And I was like, right, the last episode is coming up. They have to use these fucking sessions and they never used it and you know what Anna I was just I was I was gutted because they I feel like they had a chance to create something with real substance and it ended up being Charlotte and her mates like rolling around drunk on the floor and I was like that wasn't the Charlotte that I was coaching in the room she was so yeah, cool she and was there's so more good. to her so, oh, uh, uh, unbelievable amounts more like so much more to her and I thought MTV have cracked it they've created something with absolute substance and they didn't use any of it but I could utilize it at least in terms of like selfies I mean Charlotte I, I mean I pushed it all over yeah, the place and it, it at least allowed me to build up more of an authority that I, than I did all I'm loving here is that Liam is doing the standard international gesture <laughs> even though you can't see international gesture picking up a phone which is of course your pinky and your thumb out <laughs> every language across the globe would recognize everybody this, knows even though that's not how we use telephones anymore everyone knows anyway <laughs> I, so amazon I, calls you <laughs> i don't i don't know if i've ever used a telephone like that but that is my instant reaction you've had two in your hand you've had one in each hand liam <laughs> that's from the broker days anna that's from cold calling. Uh, yeah, so they were like, look, okay. So I, I did an event. I used to put on free events and uh, it was to attract people to my coaching space. Yeah. To sell coaching packages. I would do completely free events, try to get as many people in the room as I can. And I would just deliver a load of value. And this one woman came to, uh, this woman called Beth, she's awesome. She came to watch me at one of these events and she phoned me about three weeks later and was like, right, so I work at Amazon headquarters in London. And the SMT, like the senior management team, a lot of people at the top, like near board level, they are desperate to hire a peak performance coach because they feel like they're, they're, they're slacking, which is mental when you think about it. It's like the most successful company in the world. And so they, she was like, we want to hire you to come and be this in-house peak performance coach. So I did that for a while. And then, of course, when I started coaching Amazon, that just it just shot my authority through the roof. So I was like utilizing that like you wouldn't believe. I was I was I was what draining that for every drip that I possibly could get out of it. I was like really wringing it out. But of course, you know, it was a big authority stamp. So I was gonna I was gonna put it all over the place. And then eventually I got to a point where I I was in a position where I could qualify and accredit people as coaches. So I started doing that. I, I started an academy and it was completely offline. And that's when I met my business partner, Lewis, and he was doing 
everything completely online. And he was just like, you need to do what you're currently doing, but do it online. And he just, he showed me the way. He just showed me the way. And we got into business together the day we met. Everything has just grown ever since then. Ah, oh, and so he is the prisoner and you are the postman. You must, guys, you must head over and have a listen to their podcast, The Prisoner and the Postman. Definitely hop from this one. Listen to this one first and then go and listen to that. So, oh my goodness, there's so many interesting things in your story there. So now you're helping people to get accredited. Yeah. Why does that matter in the coaching space? I think it matters. You know what? I'm really glad we're talking about this because... I'm almost transitioning myself, right, in terms of what my viewpoint is on this. Mm -hmm. And you're sort of, you've kind of caught me mid-transition. So it's a, Come on then, let's hear both sides of the argument. It's, it's a good time to chat about it, actually. So I think one of the benefits of being accredited are the fact that the coaching industry is completely unregulated. So any, anyone can call themselves a coach, anyone can start a coaching academy, anyone can sort of get involved without any knowledge or any experience or anything like that. So it does give that kind of air of safety. You know, mm -hmm. this course has got trust. The yeah, it's trust. Of course, this, this is a trusted training provider. It's a trusted trainer. It's someone with experience. It's someone that's proven that they can, they can teach at a high enough level. And I think that is important. I do think that's important. And for instance, our course, which is our 12 week coaching accreditation course is accredited by the International Authority of Professional Coaching and Mentoring. And it's the equivalent of a level four in the UK, which is like your first year at university. So we, I mean, we had to jump through. I bet. Because it was one of the first online NLP courses in the UK, wasn't it? As I understand. Yeah, exactly. So the one I'm referring to now is actually our coaching accreditation course. And we have a 12-week online NLP course. And you're absolutely right. Our NLP course was one of the first ones in the UK that's totally online to achieve accreditation status. So I do feel like there's a lot of value to be taken from it. The transition I'm currently in is I feel like we are getting to a point where we, how should I say this? The accrediting bodies set the standard, right? But in many respects, one day, a group of people who have been in the coaching world for a long period of time popped up, decided to start a business and said, we are the ones that set the standard and no one argued with it ever since. Mm -hmm. And I think they do set a very good standard but I think there's nothing stopping the coaching masters from setting an even better standard. See, from an NLP perspective, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because we talk a lot about model of the world. Whose model of the world do you think is right? Whose model of the world do you think is wrong? And actually the concepts of right and wrong actually aren't part of the NLP model. So if you have a body that says this is the way it has to, has to go, from an NLP perspective, I would be encouraging people to say, is that true? Is there another way? Mm. If they are the rule makers, well, what rules can be broken and what rules haven't been made yet that don't exist that you can create yourself? So it is interesting. Um, I actually, I don't know if you know, do you know Teresa Brooks who runs Coach Magazine? Uh, she was on my show a couple of weeks ago and she, her magazine is, is about the fact that it's important to have accreditation. I think it would be a really interesting conversation to have with her about the, the, all, all sides of it. So yeah, oh, for sure. And, uh, and I would love to hear her feedback and her input and her, and her view on it, because without a doubt, you know, there's a big, there's a big element of that, which I do agree with, of course, you know, I think it's important to get that stamp of approval for trust. But then at the same time, much like what you're saying, Anna, the person who creates the stamp in the coaching world has just one day made the decision that I've set the standard. It's not like the financial industry where the FCA are the regulated body and they are the ones that say everybody has to be FCA regulated. 
coaching is so different where there is no governing body that rules the roost and it's not and, and, and it's unregulated so legally anybody can just pop up and say yeah we're a coaching provider so i do see the importance of having yeah coaching, me too. but at the same time I also love what you just said, because a lot of the NLP governing bodies will be the first people to say, no, 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 you have to do it how we do it. And exactly like you've just said, it actually very much goes against a lot of the principles of NLP because mm. the, them saying you have to do it the way we do it is, is their map of the world, isn't it? It's their model. So where's the line between having a model and where's the line between having a business and being very business savvy? So I don't think we're going to go any further into that argument because that could get really... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one there. But I think it's some good points made. So for someone then who is thinking, I want to be a coach, what are the stages that they should look at first? So for those people that have had that initial thought, you know, I want to be a coach. This is a decision I've made. This is something I've discovered. I would like to step into that. I would say personally, good training is your number one first port of call. Because even though we're talking about different training providers have a different model, a different map of the world, a different set of standards, at the end of the day, you do need training. You do. You do need to understand how to you know, change or eliminate someone's limiting beliefs, how to increase their confidence, how to eliminate elements of depression, anxiety, set goals and outcomes, just all of these things, these kind of like core pieces of foundation that coaching is built upon. You couldn't just wing it. Like there are tools, techniques, frameworks, there are certain ways to question. There's definitely things you need to learn. Let's put it that way. So I would say that's where people need to begin. They just need to make sure they're confident in their training so that they know they're able to help people. And then that's the second point. I feel so strongly that people's perspective needs to be focused towards genuinely helping other people. I I was really fortunate to have a coaching session with Paul McKenna. And he said to me something I will never forget. And it has stuck with me. And I repeat it to my community all the time. He said, Liam, the more value you add to somebody else's life, the more money you're going to make. And I thought that is so true. Before I was thinking about how do I make more money? How do I have more freedom? How can I travel more? How can I grow my business? And all of that stuff is a byproduct of genuinely adding value to another person's life. So I feel like coaches need to be focused on that. Do you want to hear my Paul McKenna story? Yes, definitely. So back in the days when I was an actor, jobbing actor in London, I was about to go off and play Juliet. The next day was a week before a week a week before uh, I was due to start the first rehearsal uh, as Juliet. That was going to be a massive <laughs> career changing thing. Um, I'd started to listen for the first time. Don't know why I picked it up to Paul McKenna's "Change Your Life in Seven Days," and it was a book and it was an audio. Never listened to anything like that remotely in my life. Day seven. I'm thinking nothing's changed, nothing's changed. Day seven, I find out I'm pregnant and I'm not going to be playing Juliet anymore. And so Paul McKenna uh, changed my life in seven days. I don't know how he did that through the power of hypnosis, but every time I hear Paul McKenna's name, it just takes me straight back to those days as an actor in London. And, wow. and that momentous change in my life. Congratulations. Well, Are you pregnant? Quite now? a long time ago now. But uh, yeah, and my whole life changed there. And, uh, you know, I talk about a lot of the decisions I made at that that stage in my acting career uh, and what I thought was over because I had no concept of mindset and how you see the world model of the world and I'm not going to go into all of that now because it's it's in my book so go read that but yeah that's Paul McKenna so 
I think he has a lot of advice and he certainly changed my life. And it sounds like he had a big impact on you too. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? They talk about the six degrees of separation where me and you, Anna, are only one degree apart with I Paul know. McKenna. And probably with people we know in the acting community as well. So listen, I think we could chat for a very long time, but we are going to wrap up now, Liam. So if somebody wants to get hold of you, where's the best place? The best place of getting hold of me personally is uh, is on my Instagram, which is at liam.james.collins. But what I would love everybody to do would be to visit the Coaching Masters website. We've got a ton of free resources for everybody. We also have a completely free web class where people can learn those first few steps of becoming an accredited coach, you know, and also our 12-week accreditation course. We have an application form for that. We take applications throughout the year. So yeah, the Coaching Masters and me as an individual on Instagram, come and shoot me a message and I'll send you a voice note at two o'clock in the morning when I'm catching up on work. So we'll make sure all the links are in the show notes. This has been a lot of fun, Liam. So thank you so much for coming on today. It's been great to meet you. Yeah, I appreciate it, Anna. And uh, let's definitely have another chat soon about the acting world and share some war stories. Round two. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.